going to begin before I preach. I'm going to announce to you that 2024 is the year of power. The year of power. And the theme verse for 2024 is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is the verse I want you to get in your spirit for 2024. And it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So much happened in 2023 to weaken you, to make you feel weak, to make you feel defeated, to make you feel small, to make you feel like a failure, to make you feel like you have irreparably ruined something in your life. So much happened in 2023 to belittle you, to make you, to, to, nullify you but God says in 2024 2024 is the year of power that he's going to raise you up he's going to strengthen you in 2024 he's going to lift you up to, to a high place in 2024 and so don't look at what's happened to belittle you in 2023 God says 2024 is the year of power it's the year of strength do you, do you hear me this morning 2024 is the year of power. It's the year of strength. And I know many of you are here right now and you feel weak and you ended the year feeling weak. And you started the year feeling weak. Many of you, you you had a, a very weak New Year's Day. I had a very weak New Year's Day. I spent New Year's Day this week, this year having explosive diarrhea. Sorry, I know that's TMI. I went through more changes of clothes than I care to admit. One night I had to change my sheets twice in the same night. I know you don't need to know all that, but it, it was, I need you to know that I was struggling. I've never had such a problem in my life, not since I was a baby. It, that's, that's how sick I was. And uh, that was my New Year's. Last Sunday, I got in my car to drive home, and I was kind of uh, wallowing in self-pity all the way home. And I said, well, Lord, this is the way I'm going to end the year. Not with a bang, but a whimper. I kind of just stumbled into the end zone the last Sunday of the year coughed and hacked my way through the sermon and through the worship. That's kind of how I felt, like I ended the year in weakness and not in strength. But I caught myself in the car on the way home and I said, no, this is the mindset that God is calling me to kill. Because the only thing weak about me is my mind. It's my mind telling me I'm weak when God is calling me to take the mindset of strength. And I caught that mindset of weakness and said, no, 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 I'm not going to think this way anymore. We had challenges today. We were not defeated today. See, there's a difference between facing challenges and being defeated. We were not defeated today. We had challenges, but we're going to overcome those challenges. And I went home and walked in victory. Come on, somebody. Somebody. 
So this is the year of power, and I want you to say it with me. This is the year of power. Say it. This is the year of power. Say it. Say, this year, I will receive power. I will walk in power. I will become acquainted with the power of God. I will walk in victory and not in defeat. I will walk in power and not in weakness. This is the will of God for me, and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now come on and give him a shout of praise. You got that? Okay, good. Now we're going to go to the verse for today. Now that we done got that out the way. I needed to give you that first. And I'm going to need you to keep playing for another second because I'm about to throw a curveball at you. Because today's verse is going to feel like it nullifies what I just gave you. I promise you it doesn't. Matthew 5, 38 and 39. This is today's verse. This is what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Let's pray. And we need to pray now. I don't know how to get victory out of that verse. <laughs> Father, thank you that you've called us to victory and not to defeat. We've been avoiding these verses all our Christian lives because we don't see any victory in them. And that's our problem. Because we didn't know that you've been calling us to victory in these verses all along. But today you're about to give us revelation. And it's exactly the revelation that we need that's going to release us into this year of power. I thank you for it. I pray, Father, today that you would grant clarity to every mind and every heart in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a resounding amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Amen. All right. You ready to get into it? Before we get into it, I, I, I have a, a question. Um, have you seen the, the trailer to that new uh, Will Smith blockbuster movie that's getting ready to come out? They say he's, um, he's actually supposed to be nominated for another Academy Award for it. Hasn't even come out yet, but they're already talking. The trailer is it's off the hook. It's supposed to be like, it's crazy. Have you seen it? You haven't seen it? No? Exactly. You know why, right? Put that video up. Put that video up. <laughs> Apparently, walking up on the stage at the Academy Awards 
and slapping somebody in the face is not good for your career. Apparently, it doesn't bode well for your future prospects. And I actually, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this slap over the last year and a half or however long. It's actually coming up on two years now, huh? Year and a half, close to two years? Year and a half? And the reason why I've been thinking a lot about it, well, I thought it troubled me a lot at first. I actually made a video. Did I make a video? I think I made a video about it when it first happened and put it on Facebook because I was just troubled because of the violence of it. But I began to reflect biblically about it. And I began to realize that this is a great example of a biblical truth that we often miss. If you look at this moment and the aftermath of it, the conclusion that you come to, that you're driven to, is that Will Smith did not slap Chris Rock. Will Smith slapped Will Smith. That is the impact of that slap was absorbed by Will Smith, not Chris Rock. Chris Rock, actually, that slap was the best thing that ever happened to him. I mean, his career is better than it was ever. He's bigger and blacker than he was when he did bigger and blacker. I mean, they're begging him to do, I mean, he's doing documentaries and new they're giving him $50 million to do it's his career. It was the, if I were Chris Rock, I'd be like, Will, could you slap me again? I would be literally turning the other cheek. Literally, this is an example of the fact that violence is always at the expense of the aggressor. And that the impact of violence is always absorbed by the aggressor, but only, only if one does not retaliate. Only if one does not retaliate. Now, this is an interesting passage of scripture because Jesus says, you've heard it said. Now, when he says you've heard it said, he's actually alluding to something that was standard. It was the prevailing philosophy of the day. You've heard it said. Who said it? Moses. He's not just talking about a popular proverb. He's not just talking about a wise saying. He's not just talking about something that's going around town, a popular saying. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about Scripture. You heard Moses say it. It's in Leviticus. It's in Deuteronomy, right? It's, 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 all, it's, it's all through the Bible. It's there. This is Moses, right? You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This was called the lex talionis, the law of retaliation. It was not only in the Old Testament, but it was also in the Code of Hammurabi, and it was actually core to the, the legal ethic of the ancient world. 
This was like the core legal philosophy of the ancient world, the lex talionis. And here's the concept of the lex talionis, the law of retaliation. If somebody punches you in the stomach, you are allowed to punch them in the stomach, but you are not allowed to punch them in the stomach and then punch them in the eye. If somebody punches you in the eye, you are allowed to punch them in the eye, but you are not allowed to punch them in the eye and then punch them in the other eye. The point of the law of retaliation is that retaliation must not exceed what was done to you. That was the point of the lex, tali lex, lex talionis. And really, the lex talionis was brilliant because it delegated law and order to the citizenry. It delegated justice to the citizenry because there wasn't like a police force that could go out and, you know, arrest people and bring them in and try them before a jury of their peers and then make sure to mete out punishment. So this Lex Talionis just made, okay, look, if somebody, you know, slaps you, well, you go slap them back. And, you know, if somebody goes beyond that, all right, then we got to, you know, figure out, get the elders of the village involved or whatever, and there's got to be some type of legal proceeding. But the whole point of the Lex Talionis was to make sure that retaliation was allowed but that it didn't go beyond retaliation. So Jesus says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, or but I tell you. Now when Jesus says, but I tell you, everybody's automatically scared because he's already told you in the words, but I tell you, that he's getting ready to overturn the law of retaliation. He's already telling you that. He's already telling you that what he's getting ready to say is going to overturn the law of retaliation. And he does it multiple times in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I tell you, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery with her already. You've heard it said, you shall not kill. But I tell you, if a man is angry with his brother without a cause, he's a murderer. Jesus does it over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount. And here he says, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, and whenever Jesus says, but I tell you, what he means is, you got a choice. Are you going to go with what I tell you? Every time Jesus says, but I tell you, what he means is, you got a choice. You can either go, what I, go with what I tell you, or you can go with your own way. And the definition of a Christian is one who goes with what Jesus tells them. And here's what happens you ever seen someone walk with Jesus and then walk away from Jesus? You know how that happens? It doesn't happen overnight. It happens through an accumulation of multiple pivot points. Every time you come to a place where Jesus tells you something and you disagree with him, he tells you to go right, but you go left. That's a pivot point. 
where you simply decided to go your way when Jesus told you to go his way. And after a while, you accumulate a number of those pivot points. Pretty soon, you look at your life and realize that you and Jesus don't have very much in common at all. And you decide to drop the ruse. That's when you walk away from Jesus. If you have even one place in your life where you are knowingly in disagreement with Jesus, I would be afraid. Keep that in mind. Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Do not resist an evil person. The word there, to resist, means to set yourself against. Do not set yourself against or oppose an evil person. Do not resist. Do not set yourself against don't oppose an evil person. Now, we must understand that verse 39 is actually a response to verse 38. So in verse 38, he sets us up. He's talking about retaliation. So the whole point of verse 39 is going to be about retaliation. Verse 38 says you can retaliate. Verse 39, his whole point is going to be don't retaliate. Keep that in mind. Okay, keep that in mind. Don't retaliate. That's the point of verse 39, is don't retaliate. Okay? But then he says, but if anyone strikes you or slaps you, that word slap is very interesting. Rapizo is the word. And the word rapizo, it literally means slap. It has to do with an open-handed strike. Matthew, come here. Yeah, come here. I'm not going to slap you, I promise. I'm going to do a demonstration, but it does not involve actual slapping. You should have seen the look in his face. I said, Matthew, come here. Come here, come here, come here. It's okay. No. Face me, face me. Don't, don't be scared. I'm not going to hit you, I promise. Okay. Now watch this. Notice Jesus says, put verse 39 up there. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek. Okay, you have two hands, right? In the ancient world, you don't have two hands. You only got one hand, the right hand. You lived your life with your right hand. Your left hand only had one use. It's the unclean hand. That's the only thing you used it for. You didn't touch nothing else with your left hand. Why they did not have antibacterial soaps, so everybody would have died of E. coli poisoning a long time ago had they not had that rule. So nobody would have ever slapped you with the unclean hand. You don't do nothing with the unclean hand. So in order to slap somebody on the right cheek, you have to backhand them. So Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, now number one, the slap, the open-handed slap, is the, most, is, the, is the greatest sign of disrespect in the ancient world. The only thing that is a greater sign of disrespect in the ancient world than an open-handed slap is a backhanded open-handed slap. So, Jesus says, if someone slaps you on your right cheek, offer your left cheek as well. Now wait, watch what just happens. I slap him on his right cheek. 
which is the highest form of disrespect. Now he offers me his left cheek. The only thing I can offer him is a lower form of disrespect. He's just diminished my level of disrespect by offering me his left cheek. Now watch. Understand that the slap in the ancient world is not about violence. The closed fist is about violence. Notice Jesus does not say if someone punches you in the jaw. If someone punches you in your left jaw, offer them your right jaw. No, do not offer them your right jaw. That person's trying to kill you. Jesus is not saying that you surrender your body to the violence of some random fool. The context is disrespect, not violence. Now, if the scripture is talking about disrespect, what's the purpose of disrespect? When someone disrespects you publicly, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get a reaction out of you. And what are, what, what, kind of, what are they trying to do with their reaction? What kind of reaction? Why do they want a reaction from you? What is the purpose of trying to get a reaction out of you? To put you in your place. To put you in a lower place than them. So when I publicly disrespect you, what I'm saying is, I believe you belong in a lower place than me, and so I'm going to publicly put you in a lower place than me. Now, what happens if Matthew slaps me back? I say, I'm going to put you in a lower place, and Matthew goes, no, I'm going to put you in a lower place, and I go, no, I'm going to put you in a lower place, and that's now called a fight. And what gets talked about afterwards? What gets talked about afterwards is Will Smith and Chris Rock's fight, not Will Smith's attack. In other words, no longer is the bad behavior of the initial slapper highlighted. By absorbing the disrespect without exhibiting any signs of having been disrespected. You are making a statement to the disrespecter that even though you've disrespected me, I still carry respect. You can't take the respect off me. That's called dignity. Hold that head up. That's called dignity. This man carries dignity. That's what I'm talking about. I've known this man since he was a little boy in my, little, in my daughter's kindergarten class. All right, you can take your seat. Thank you. You're a good man. Chris Rock, you know, there's, there's a part of that whole situation that I love where Chris Rock says, you know, Will Smith's in the front going, keep my wife's name, you know, that, that part. And then Chris Rock goes, I will, man. And then Chris Rock goes, I could. And then he stops himself. Did you see that part? Did you notice that part? 
Are you guys uncomfortable with me talking about this? Because y'all are just like super quiet. You, is, are y'all okay? Are y'all okay? Is it okay that I'm talking about? But there's, there's a moment where Chris Rock goes, I could, and then he stops himself. I could, and I always want to say, what? You could what? You could what? And then he just stops himself. I love that moment. You know why I love that moment? Because what he's saying is, I'm not being passive right now. I've got, I've got options. See, this is the thing that we hate about this passage of Scripture. I've heard, I've heard believers say stuff like this. I'm, I'm not turning the other cheek. Let somebody slap me. See if I don't slap them back. Ain't nobody slapping me. <laughs> Excuse me. Can I get my, my tea real quick? <laughs> I've heard, I've heard believers say, shoot, if, if Will Smith came up the stage and slapped me, he would have limped back. I've heard Christians talk like that. Christians talk, <coughs> you know, and they talked about Chris Rock, talked bad about him for not responding as if it was passive, as if it was passivity. And that's the thing that we feel when we Read this passage as if Jesus is calling us to be wimps. Because if you grew up in East Oakland like me, if somebody slaps you in the face and you don't raise hell, use a punk, and that's the nice word for it. The real word for it I can't even use. Not, no, I'm not saying I can't use it in the sermon. I can't use it. I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from situations feeling like that word because I didn't respond, because I misunderstood this passage, because it feels like weakness. It feels like Jesus is calling me to be a punk. It feels like Jesus is calling me to be a pacifist. It feels like Jesus is calling me to be a, 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 a floor mat. It feels like Jesus is calling me to just let people walk all over me. Because it feels like weakness to just allow yourself to be trampled. Now, don't get me wrong. There are moments when Jesus responded to people and put them in their place. I mean, he came in the temple and found the money changers doing the wrong thing. He sat down and made himself a leather belt that would have put any of my daddy's leather belts to shame and gave them all a good butt whooping and drove them out of the temple. He called, he gave the Pharisees and Sadducees tongue lashings to end all tongue lashings on more than one occasion. They They came and questioned him, and he embarrassed them so many times that they stopped coming to ask him questions. So he knew that there was a time to respond, but he also knew that there was a time not to respond. And at the end, when Judas came and kissed him on the cheek, he didn't slap back. And when they drug him before Pontius Pilate and told lies about him, 
He didn't slap back. And when the Roman soldiers blindfolded him and took turns punching him in the face, saying, prophesy, who struck you? He didn't slap back. And when they drove nails in his hands and feet and pushed a crown of thorns into his head, he didn't strike back. And when they lifted him up on the cross, there was a thief being crucified to his left and another thief being crucified to his right. And the thief on his left saw him dying on the cross and misinterpreted the event as to mean that he was weak. And he said, if you're so powerful, come down from that cross. I thought you were supposed to be mighty. They said you raised the dead. They said you opened blind eyes. If you're so awesome, save yourself. Come down from that cross and save us too. What that thief didn't realize was that it took more power for him to stay on the cross than it would have taken for him to come down from the cross. You see, it takes God, it, it, it's, more, it's harder for God to suffer than it is for him to deliver himself from suffering. It would have been easier for him to kill us all than to save us all. It would have been easier for him to wipe us all out than to wipe himself out to save us all. He could have called for legions of angels in a moment to rescue him from the cross. It took all of the power of heaven for him to stay on that cross and breathe his last. It was greater strength for him to endure the cross, despising its shame. And this is the kingdom of God. I see it all the time. I deal with a lot of married couples, and I deal with myself as a married man. I see a lot of husbands and I see strong husbands, and I see weak husbands. And I see strong husbands, when their wives make them angry, they hold their tongues, they get a hold of their emotions, and then they sit down with their wives and they speak what is helpful for their relationships. And then I see weak husbands, and their wives make them angry, and they lose their tempers and they say all kind of crazy stuff. And here's the travesty is that the strong husbands, when they hold their tongues, they feel weak. And the weak husbands, when they say all kind of crazy stuff, they feel strong. Isn't it crazy that when we do weak crap, we feel strong, and when we do strong stuff, we feel weak? because we got it backwards, because we don't understand strength when it comes to the kingdom of God, because we don't understand what it means to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, when we don't understand what it means. See, we talk about the power of God. We started this sermon by saying that we're going to be strong in the Lord. This is the year of power. And when we think about the power of God, the first thing we think is the power to cure cancer. But maybe sometimes the power of God is the power to cure anger. Maybe it's the power of God to stand your ground and hold on to your dignity when you're being disrespected. 
Maybe it's the power of God to hold on to your encouragement when you're being belittled. Maybe it's the power of God to hold on to your divine encouragement in the face of a disappointing situation. Maybe it's the power of God to hold your head up when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Maybe it's the power of God to hold on to a prophetic word when you're walking through a debilitating situation. Maybe it's the power of God to believe in the impossible when you're walking through a a hopeless situation. It's easy to lash out. Sorry. (coughs) Every week I think I'm better. And then I come to church. Y'all got to get some of Marsha's... Ginger tea. That's what I'm drinking this morning. But you drink too much of it, it will clean you out, though. (laughs) But sometimes you do need to be cleaned out, though. Just keep it real. Thank you, Lord. In in the frailty of our humanity, we feel that there's only two options, either clap back or back down. Those aren't your only two options. Stand your ground. And standing my ground means being strong in the Lord. Standing my ground in the spirit. being strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Do you know what that that actually means? You ever come to church and experience the spirit of God and the power of God and the fire of God and you feel empowered and you feel fired up and you just feel blessed and highly favored and you feel anointed and you got the word and you just experience the spirit and worship and, and you just rubbed up against other believers and you're just like, I got this. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been there? Hold on to that all week long. That's what stands your ground. That's your ground. That's your ground. I'm not talking about the feeling. I'm talking about the truth. The feeling's not going to last, but the truth. Hold on to the truth. What truth? And that's why you must, you must be clear about the truth that came from the experience when you walk into the house of God. When you leave this place today, you must be clear about the truth that God imparted to you today so that you can stand your ground throughout the week. Be strong in the Lord and in his power. Why? Because the enemy doesn't care about the experience. He knows the experiences come or go. But the truth, if he can knock you off of the truth, he's knocked you off. Don't slap back. 
Don't slap back. Don't slap back. Let, me, let the Lord be the one who slaps back on your behalf. Because you know what happens when you stand your ground and you don't slap back, you maintain your dignity. You actually slap the devil. Just know it. Every time somebody disrespects you, just think to yourself, I can either slap this person or I can slap the devil. But I can't slap both. I'd rather slap the devil. I'd rather slap the devil. I'm going to hold my peace and slap the devil. I'm going to walk away and go, take that devil in your face. All up in your face. Mmm. All up in front of your demons. <laughs> Amen. Let, that's enough. Let's pray. LJ, come back. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're speaking to us by the power of your word and spirit. I pray, Father, today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that this truth would seep deep into every heart, into every mind, and into every soul. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't slap back. Lord, had you slapped back, you would have defeated Judas. Had you slapped back, you would have defeated the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Had you slapped back, you would have defeated Pontius Pilate. Had you slapped back, you would have defeated the Roman soldiers that sought to crucify you. But had you slapped back, we still would have been lost in our sins. We owe our redemption to the fact that you did not slap back, that you absorbed everything that was leveled at you. You took it. Because you took it, we are free. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are healed. So Jesus, we owe everything to you. One last thing I'm going to share with you here. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he's not willing to do. You realize that our sin put him on the cross. It was our sin that backhanded him in the right cheek. Put him on the cross. Our sin was the greatest affront, the greatest disrespect to his holiness. But he continues to turn the other cheek because we continue to sin. And yet, we have a hard time turning the other cheek even though he continues to do so for us. Just as we have a hard time forgiving even though he continues to do so for us. Lord, I pray for the infusion of your grace and the opening of our eyes so that we might so clearly see what you've done for us. Lord, we have such a hard time doing for others what you have so freely done for us. You said that if we don't forgive others their sins, 
you also will not forgive us our sins. Lord, would you open our eyes to see how freely, how fully you have forgiven us so that we might so freely and fully forgive others? Put it in our hearts to live as you lived, to walk as you walked, to act as you act, to speak as you spoke. We love you. Come into our hearts. We'll give you all the praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray these things. And Father, we glorify and adore your holy name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Stand to your feet right now. Before I dismiss you, I'm going to invite Pastor Chinway to come to the platform for her special announcement, and then she will do the final dismissal. Come on up, Pastor Chinway.